Roto version 4. Here is more audio from Dragon Con 2006. We have a great interview and bonus audio with Billy West. If you don't know who he is, what the hell is wrong with you? Here is a list of many of his voices. The Red M&M, many Warner Brothers classic cartoon characters, both Ren and Stimpy, and of course, 80% of the characters on Futurama, such as Fry, Zoidberg, Zap Brannigan, etc. We also have a special guest at the end. We apologize for the low quality of audio. Rich can be a bit of a techdard when he has a new toy to play with. Enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, this is Grant Pachoco from the Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd, and I'm an outcast. Nobody will ever talk to me, especially girls. It's a sad life. Your heroes return after a long battle. They have abandoned their chase way, and Bo Roto is no longer safe for work. Expect to build cons and hand materials. Let's face it, some jokes don't work unless you use the word fuck. It's a scientific fact. Dog. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, first off, we're back at uh, DragonCon 06, and uh, I'm uh, here for the first time in person, but the second time on the show with Billy West. Now, Billy West, of course. Go ahead and uh, just tell us a little bit about some of the voices that you've done. Well, first, let me say hi, Rich. Well, hi, Billy. Thank this you. This is a voiceover person to a fellow voiceover person. And, um, well, let's see. What do you want me to explain about well, you know, really what I'd like uh, you to cover is, I know you mentioned uh, earlier that radio is kind of becoming uh, really overpowering a lot of the markets lately. Why do you think that is? Radio is becoming important all over again because the music industry is kaput. I mean, the record companies are filing Chapter 11, and the radio is going to have to change as a result of that because kids can get their music anywhere they want now. So radio is going to be standing there holding the bag if, if they don't go for something that keeps the audiences in place or draws them in, and that's going to be personalities. And so everything that went bad with radio has a chance to go good with radio now. And um, so there's there's room for like people that are interested in radio or have a love of it or do characters or voices. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm excited about it. Now, what about uh, certain forms of technology such as with podcasting? I know... You know, myself uh, and Davey, we of course do the Mr. Adventure, which we're going to make sure that we get you a, a CD for. Great. And, you know, it's kind of becoming a, a market to where anybody can produce content and put it out there. Yes. Do you think that that's necessarily a good thing, a bad thing, and how can that be used to get into the industry? Uh, choice is never a bad thing. Um, you know, it's something for everybody. Even if there's people that like stuff with no content, I mean, they watch television, don't they? <laughs> good point. <laughs> Now, um, are there any uh, podcast? I mean, are you familiar with the term podcast? Oh, yeah. Okay. Are there any that you listen to? Um, I've listened to a couple of interviews, you know, from different uh, stations around the country. Um, I enjoy that stuff. I pull it up on the Internet. Obviously, everything is going to wind up on the Internet. The Internet is going to, you know, television will be doomed because you can't, you know, these reality shows, people are going to get sick of watching themselves on an island doing the hokey pokey with some other jerk. You know what I mean? It's like 
people are going to get tired of this. It's, it's only entertaining because it's like fighting and conniving and stealing and the person who's the most shifty and ruthless wins. What a hell of a message to send out there. It's like all you got to do is be smart, cut everybody's throat as fast as you can, use whoever you have to get, you know, in a multi-user relationship to get to the top and win everything. That's a sucky message. And the worst part is that it's really showing that uh, those are real people in there, especially with Richard Hatch recently going to prison for tax you know, evasion. You know, with a name like Dick Hatch, he was he was destined for prison. <laughs> Hi! I'm, sure I'm in for a year, so it's a hit and run. <laughs> I think he was still rolling that way even before he went in there. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, now, just uh, because we do have uh, a lot of uh, amateur voice actors that uh, listen to the show, okay. are there kind of any any tips and um, tips and tricks on establishing character or building a character to get the right voice? I know last night while we were talking, you came up with some really good things talking about taking uh, kind of basing things off of various impressions and whatnot. Um, what I did was I I was a mimic. Originally, because these were the people I idolized, and I tried as hard as I could to sound like those sounds. And then later on, you find out what those people actually sound like in real life, and then their voice is the gateway to everything else. Like a lot of voice people hear Fry, and they can hear where everything else comes from. It's people with really good ears, and most people that are interested in voiceover have that ear. Um, and then Eventually, to find new characters, even if you do a bad impression of somebody, it's a voice no one's ever heard before. So you're still in safe waters. Um, with new characters, there's show business periphery. You can go back and watch 30s movies, listen to old radio broadcasts, and work your way through what's gone down in the past and who had sonically interesting voices. And not really imitate them, but take one and fuse it with the attitude of another uh, person and you've got like this uh, super colliding or you know cold fusion or whatever you want to call it of uh, of voices and a new voice can emerge from things like that and you can scout for places in your throat I mean there's there's the third and the fourth voice when you ruin the first two there's always another place to try to get it from and uh, it's an endless thing I mean we're you know we're like God's machinery you know, you couldn't be developed by something better than that, and that's why the human and organic elements are going to be more involved in radio and, and programming and, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, of course, building characters and whatnot, and uh, we noticed that a lot of the uh, 3D movies and cartoon movies coming out usually prefer face actors over true voice actors to where, to the extent where you're basically getting that same person's voice. I really think that the only uh, normal face actor that really did something with it was Jack Black in uh, Shark Tale, where unless you knew, it didn't sound like him, where he actually based the character and the, the voice made sense. Well, because he understands characters. So does Eddie Murphy, so does Robin Williams, so does uh, Mike Myers. They understand how physically transform your voice. That's the idea. Wanting somebody for their face in movies is a real dumb idea. Think of what, when you say it, they want people with faces for their cartoon movies. That makes not one bit of sense. And there isn't a shred of evidence that cartoons, those animated features, make any more money or less than if they had used artisans, craftspeople. So in other words, celebrities coming in and doing their own voice for everything, you bring nothing to the table but your own ego. 
You know, I'm Will Smith. I'm a kangaroo. I'm Will Smith. I'm a, a fish. I'm a Will Smith. I'm a, I'm a crow. You know, I'm tired of Will Smith. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, so am I tired of the rest of these people? David Schwimmer doing cartoons? I mean, give me a break. What the hell is going on? No, uh, it, was a, it was a great stretch. He played somebody very neurotic. So it must have been like, <laughs> I'm a bird and I can't fly away. You know, something, you know, like... Seinfeld, you know, Kramer. So um, that's all well and good, but it's it's people that don't belong in that field. It's like sending a bunch of highly skilled plumbers to win the World Series for you. You know, they're skilled, yes, but they're in the wrong field, in the wrong game. And I'm not afraid to say these things. I don't, I'm worried about getting fired from Hollywood. I'm 55 years old and I ain't scared of nothing. You're 55? Yeah. I never would have thought that. Oh, well, you know, it's like that's why I feel like I can talk about anything I want. What am I going to do, get beat up when I leave and I go back to Hollywood and they're all waiting there with torches like I was Frankenstein? Well, you know, my grandma, when she started to get older, she actually became racist. So you can do the same thing with actors. Oh, okay. And you can just become completely bigoted about actors. Those damn face actors, they don't mean yeah. nothing. What we want voice Somebody actors. broke a window down the street. It was, a, it was an actor. <laughs> it was that damn yeah, Will Smith. Actor in their 20s. <laughs> Uh, color unknown. <laughs> hey, you actors, get off my cartoons. Yeah. Um, West Hollywood Police, drop your pants and come out with your ass up. <laughs> On me, not in me. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to finish that thought with the actors is that they're paying these people ungodly sums of money to do their own voice. Like Cameron Diaz is the highest paid voice actress in history. She probably got $20 million for that Shrek movie. Now, June Foray, who's a genius and was the female voice of the world, she did Natasha No Goodnick. She was Rocky on, you know, those flying squirrels. She was uh, all those hags in the Warner Brother cartoon and sweet little princesses in the uh, uh, Bullwinkle and Rocky cartoons, a fairy princess. She could do anything. She must be hitting herself in the head with a hammer right now, you know, knowing that that kind of stuff is going on. Uh, it, in other words, it invalidates what we do for a living. It makes it invalid. You're saying that, yes, it's great, you got this treasure trove of characters that you can dial up at, at anybody's whim, a director, and now it means nothing, you know, because you have to be a star first. You know, that's I mean, more shit. It's especially difficult for somebody who wants to be a voice actor. It feels like you have to be a film actor before you can be a voice actor. That is the damnedest thing I mean my wife used to tell me that years ago she said well what I see coming is they're using stars for everything I said don't worry about it she couldn't have been more prophetic I didn't I would never understand how that could happen that you'd have to have like an Emmy and then maybe get a supporting role Oscar in a film or something and then you could go and do cartoon voices so it's like it's this you know this cosmic jip <laughs> That's why I wanted to have a school one time. I said, maybe I should just teach. Because if all these bedheads are coming into the business and they're going to wind up doing cartoon voices, better grab them now and show them that there's a way besides, hey, what are you doing? In your business. Why? What's it to you? It's everything to me. You know, they all got the same voices now. Um, years ago, it was like Jack Palance. They were all young guys, John Wayne, Humphrey Bogart. They were in their 20s and 30s, but they didn't sound like each other. Now everybody has this, like, boy-man voice, including me. <laughs> but but I can change up, at least, for characters. You know, these guys are doing with no stretch. 
and even in podcasting, that's something that you find a lot. A lot of the voices just tend to blend together. Now, fortunately, a lot of the guys here they have unique voices, and that's probably one of the reasons why they're they're all on the top of the list. I'm glad to hear that because I've been to radio stations, and they always have like sports guys and this guy and that guy, and they all shout at the top of their lungs. You know, like, hey, world! They forget that radio is an intimate medium, and radio, whether it's coming out of a podcast or whatever, it's like, I'm glad to be here with you. I'm glad you're checking us out tonight. You know, it's like you're talking to the guy that's sitting next to you. Absolutely. And you really are, because uh, even though there's a million of them, it's somebody sitting there. It's a girl, you know, making, you know, dinner or, or like, just getting dressed up to go out or something. And it makes people feel good that it's personalized and that you don't scream to the world, hey, world, you know. Well, what kind of hope do you think that there would be for voice over people in the world today? I think it's going to evolve to the point where television is going to be doomed like the record industry and everything's going to come off the Internet or, or computer programming with bigger and more, you know, ornate and complicated, um, you know, machinery and everything. But it's going to be organically driven by people that really have some talent. I mean, there's a big difference between being a celebrity and being an artist. You know, if you can fart the national anthem, you can have a TV show now. But, you know, that's to me, that's just bourgeois. Um, I think there's going to be so much media that it's going to have a voracious appetite. The electronic media that's to come will have an appetite for programming. And it's going to have to be good, otherwise it'll never fly. They, they want to keep knowing that people will come back to check something out. And, um, you know, and I'm hoping that's the way it's going to go. And, um, you know, I wish anybody luck going into a business of 90% unemployment and your job is looking for work. And that takes courage. So, uh, you know, I, I wish everybody the best in that endeavor. Do you have a website that you'd like to plug where people can find out more information about you and the shows that you've done and are doing? Yeah, I'm at BillyWest.com, and you'll hear voices like Fry. Man, all this constant exposure to radiation is making me thirsty. Young lady, bring me a sandwich from the dumpster and leave the maggots on it. Good news, everyone. It is bad news. All right, this is Zap Brannigan, Master of Time, Space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. <laughs> I know you did that for Earl, and he sent that to me before he told me that he actually got the interview. Because I just threw out, he's like, okay, you can, you know, have an interview from anybody from Obicon. I was like, man, really West would be awesome. And of course, he did get the interview, and then he did get the liner from you that just went on and on and on, which is great. I, I and, tend to do that. But no, it's great. I was like, look, you know, if you can get some of the character voices, that's fine, but I really want to get just Billy West at some point. Mm-hmm. His voice. And, you know, he just told you to run with it. And I was just listening to it. I listened to that probably about 50 times after I got it. Because being such a huge fan. Well, I like to do it. It's like some people are like ashamed of what they do. Like, you know, you see a famous comedian and you go, I got to hear it one time, that that line you had about this. And so they look at you like, drop dead. I was like, how dare you treat anybody like that, that, that like took time out of their life to pay attention to you? Yeah. I mean, there couldn't be anything better. You know, because if you feel you have something to offer... You know, and you have a gift, you almost owe it to people to, to, to put it out there. At this point in the interview, the woman interrupts Rich and Billy attempting to establish Billy's importance. Some people don't understand etiquette. What? Oh, this. Uh, I won first prize at the oh, Green okay. Fair. 
I did too. Hey, what do you know? No, this is kind of, uh, you know, a uh, dragon kind of bag. No, I was just wondering what the green thing was. I couldn't remember. Oh, guess. I know you need something. Yeah, I know you need something too. Didn't we meet under a bed in Pittsburgh? No, it was Cleveland, actually. How you doing? You get a sense of humor. Artist, right? Oh, sort of. Yeah, really, like voice. Artist. Wait a minute. Did I see a picture model thing in there earlier? Yeah, I don't kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. Then. I watched these comments. That's probably how it's. So you like? What do you like there or something? <laughs> I got no Zoidberg. Uh, 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 uh. Hey, boy. Hey, what's your character? Um, I did the pilot for Invader Zim. Oh, that's right. And then my friend Richie Horowitz went and did it because it wasn't their cup of tea, I guess. But, you know, I don't know. You know? Way to look at it. Nothing's yours. Nah. You know, I mean, you could be gone the next day. You're a day player mentality. Totally. There's too many guys that get hung up on that. I'm Bugs Bunny. You know, and think that's the deal, and it ain't. Uh, they've always changed the players. We had a friend uh, like that, one of the characters that David created for Mr. Adventure, was Kid Adventure. And he was a little bit like that, not much, but just a little bit. And then there was a bit of a falling out and everything, and then I realized I could be that exact same voice. And so it was kind of like, that's how thanks Jack, for the ego, we don't need you. That's how Jack <laughs> Mercer got started. Really? The voice of Popeye, the one we all know was done by the second guy who came along. The first guy was a lout named Bill Costello. And, uh... Now, which one did he do? Did he, he did, did Bob Barton. The more lower voice. Yeah, he was more like a... Oh, I'm a boy, I'm a boy. Okay. You know, yeah. and, and it was always May Costello. Was but Jack Mercer was a drummer, and he was an in-betweener at the Paramount Studios, and Fleischer Studios, and... One day, Bill Costello was like too much to deal with. He was full of himself, and he was a drunk and a braggart and a fight. He'd get into fights and bars. So Jack Mercer used to impress the rest of the artists with his impressions of Popeye. But he was a drummer, so he added the language of percussion to the performance. You know, when he's scatting down the street, it's like skibam, bang, blah, 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 blah. That's scat singing, really, but for drumming. And uh, that was a brilliant touch. And mumbling under the breath came from the fact that they didn't pay too much attention to mouth movement. So they said to cover it, just kind of... She then proceeds to interview Billy for me. So how, how do you actually get started with voice over? It chooses you. It's like you don't choose it. One day this breeze goes by and you're absent and you go for the ride. That's how all the best things happen. You know, what you don't intend. Yeah, I agree. Oh, that's borderline an old-timer saying, screw you, I'm not telling you how to get into the business of protecting my spot. No. That's <laughs> right, so I'll be checking out in about 20. She chooses to brag to Billy West about having one voice. Wait until she begins to correct him. Hilarious. No, you don't understand. This is the only voice I do. And I barely do it these fans. And yes, I am more quoted more Spanish than anything else. And just because I look Irish doesn't mean I speak Gaelic. Porque yo insisto en mi chiquita roja. Esta no es tu vez mía. Entonces, ¿dónde está la mía? Remember what I said about etiquette? Wait for it. So everybody know what you do? Jesus Christ, lady. He's Billy fucking West. 
Podcast. You know, I do Fry, Zap Brannigan, The Professor, various incidentals. Okay. Redhead and Hero! Woo-hoo! There you go. Start the oh, rumor. Those are actually... I'll beat the drum for you. After the interview, Billy and Rich hung out. He was gracious enough to let Rich record them hanging out, hoping to pick up a few pointers. You can occasionally hear Davey Bosham asking questions. The young guys, the bedheads. You know? Yeah, yeah. Where are you going? None of your business. It is my business. You know, back in the old days, John Wayne was a young guy, and so was... Uh, Jack Palance and Cameron Mitchell, and they all sounded distinctly different. They were men. They weren't like boy men, you know? Yeah. Every, every character they did was the same, but it was still a distinctive but, but if they were talking to each other, you could be blind and say, oh, yeah. oh it's, it's, it's getting to it now. You know, you know, like, you know, you know, you know, you hear his voice, boom. I lost the lung to cancer. I guess it's amazing thing about you is like I watch you, I hear your normal voice, but then I see you just pump out all these different. I'm like, how is that guy doing that? I, I had a small level of that when we did the live show, Mr. Adventure, because I did that three or four characters. Yeah. And I was, I was able to do that. Like, Good, then you're fearless. Yeah. Oh, I love doing See, it. my premise isn't failure. I never gave a shit whether anything I did went over or not. <laughs> I used to do comedy clubs with no material. I used to just show that up and throw shit awesome. against the wall. You know why? I do like breaks at work. But you know what, though? See, I can't go around to everywhere and, and have, like, an act, like, 12 minutes, and i got to pretend every night like I just thought of it. I just can't do that. I'd rather have a tightrope with the stakes real high so she can fall real low. That's how I feel about my life journal right now it's just like you know I'll find whatever there is out there that's big stuff to bitch about but there's no risk you know everybody wants everything safe you know it's like okay let's hear his, his 12 minutes what does he do you know it's like I don't want to be the guy that can be described like oh he does voices no he can fool fool around like a, you know like a jester we're on the second floor now you know, it's like jesters made made jokes to save their lives yeah they did you know and they they wasn't they weren't sure what but they could make fun to the king of all the people around him and the king would finally catch on and get the connection and he would go oh 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 fool you live today yeah was that kind of how it is in Hollywood no you know what it's failing upwards in Hollywood it's once you're famous for anything um, next thing you know people want to give you the world on a silver platter. I'm so happy when Paramount dumped Tom's Cruise. Tom's Cruise? Tom Cruise, they dumped those. Yeah, no one person's going to tell Sumner Redstone what to do. I got news for you. You know who he is? I vaguely, but not. Back in the 50s, he opened up a chain of movie theaters called the Redstone Theaters. And I went to them when I was a kid. And uh, Jerry Lewis did a Paramount picture. And what they wore was a a house to play okay. Paramount movies. Awesome. And, uh, and theaters were named after the Paramount, you know, after that logo. But uh, this guy, back in the late 40s or something, he was in a hotel in Boston, Sumner Redstone, the Copley Square Hotel, and it caught on fire and there was no way to get out. So the bastard hung outside the window by his finger <laughs> while they were melting until the fire department got there with a net and then he just dropped. I mean, this guy... He's not going to take shit from anybody. He's an old buzzer. He's like, he's, he's, he's like 80. 
Wow. And, and here's this, he reads about this Tom Cruise and his religion, and he's, he's sitting there thinking about when he was hanging out of a window, you know, when he was on his way up. Yeah. I was just like, that's, to me that was a step in the right direction. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been but that was just like, finally. There's, there's just too much baggage with him. I mean, it's particularly interesting in the car wreck kind of way because yeah. he comes off as, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. He's perfect looking. He, yeah. he can act, you know. And so you go, no, you know, I want to just like go, yeah, and cut through a little bit of the flak. Well, it's fun for us. Worse. The production company works on it. Uh, I mean, it's worse and worse and worse. As years have gone by. I mean, his personal behavior. Yeah, he's just gone more and more off the wall. And that's where they put him. Because they're, I mean, you're giving him bad press. He makes good movies. He's a good actor, good looking guy. But when it comes to the outside world, he's so starting to kind of shy away from it. Well, you know why he's in conflict is because he's not one of the subjugated. Like, you know, the people that come in yeah. and they, you know, and give their credit cards and their bank numbers. And it's like, he did it once. But then when he became a celebrity, they had all this on him because of the confession room. Yeah. Yeah, he's so, so cocky once. I mean, what's the big deal? You know? And then they play it back. Yeah. Yeah, and then I struck the car clock, right? I struck the car clock. Enough! <laughs> Okay, I'll go on over and act like an idiot. That, wouldn't that be the worst thing that he's actually a normal guy? And he just acts like there's that. There's nothing normal about no. There's nothing normal about any of that whole situation. It's like a bunch of people that are willing to be enslaved and pay to go to church that was invented by a big pockmarked god that looked like Gene Roddenberry. You know, a sweaty pockmarked god. You know, and there's statues of him. They they delete all the the holes. You know. You put like cheesy on the guy's face. The girl did a really good essay on that. Chinese checkers. Right? Yeah. I'm the idiot here. <laughs> James Woods has that Chinese checkers face. And then he had it sandblasted off. James yeah, looks creepy now. He does. He looks like a rotting boy. Did you have such creepy? I'm looking. I'm getting that rotting boy. Oh, you're... Yeah. 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 You're so pretty. Ah! <laughs> I haven't heard that in Never. Thank God he does voice acting. Yeah, I know. Well, look, I used to I used to be like 180 pounds. Oh. Mark David, uh, listening to John David Carr, John Mark Carr, he's sitting there going, <laughs> but I think that would be awesome. I'm going to be on stage So, um, just remind me. Yeah. We're going to be like in the same area. Well, I'm I'm all over the place. I'm doing like a 12 events here at this time. Flush I'm really working hard. I'm actually doing a which I think is awesome. Yeah? Yeah, I want to see adult on the NC-17. I'm going to get all the Oh, really? Yeah, but um, cool. You know, I love to the pieces, but I have a tendency to be expressive sometimes. I have to be careful. Some of the stuff. Sometimes I, I, I always make sure for kids to have another room before I, I get really long sometimes. Because none of those words mean anything to me. It's because they're so shrouded in, in whatever it is that makes people emotionally resonate one way or the other. And it's like, I don't think that the word has that kind of power. I don't like that. That means, yeah. that, means that certain people who use it only have power, and it's usually like people that only know how to talk like that. Yeah. And, uh... No, I don't dig that, and uh, so I forget because I don't have any boundaries yeah. in that regard. 
Last time I looked, you know, you could say things, but I, I'm not a cat or anything. Yeah. I like kids. Yeah. I like my kids. You like your kid? I don't want to go. Well, you know what it is? George Carlin um, said one time, he says, I hate fucking He goes, but you know something? If you go over to somebody and you look right in my eyes, you can see the universe. But I still hate it. Oh, oh, forget it. I hate people when I look at them. That's my curse. Yeah? Yeah. No, I think deep down it's it's more like, you know, you, you have the soul of an artist, you'd like to enlighten somebody. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing. It's like, you know, whatever is whatever we didn't get or, you know, coming along. At times, the noise around us was too strong, so parts were dropped. You've got to be like one of the only... Lando Calrissian uh, impressions I ever met. Then. Really, I forget who anything. What everybody? It's not like that movie is on the tip of everyone's consciousness. I'll tell you who is Nicole Richie and Platypus Face. There, oh, I don't even fucking pay attention. This is her. This is the house that she built. That yeah. and uh, the other. She was the spine of the other. Uh, spine of the other loin. You know, the Marriott Dynasty. Oh no, Hilton, Hilton Dynasty. Yeah. 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 A big deal out of it. I mean, there's some things that I wouldn't try because it doesn't seem like I could do anything justice. But a lousy impression is a perfectly viable and good cartoon voice. <laughs> because it's a voice that no one's ever heard before. You know, and, and you're trying to do Nicholson, somebody like Jack Clancy. <laughs> and then you go, sure, oh, that's a cartoon character because no one, no one knows what it is. <laughs> Well, you know, the whole fusion thing, when I first came out there to do cartoons, I, I said, well, you know, I mean, there's this little fortress of my heroes, this little gallery, and you can take a page from this guy's school and one from that, and, you know, it's it's a good way to go, is to take the cue from the guys that did it and, uh, you know, caught fire. So, um, then we started getting this idea of fusions, like taking somebody from showbiz periphery and fusing his voice or something with the personality or, or emotional makeup of another showbiz periphery, yeah. which makes it even more sub-referential, you know, like Eugene Collette and people like that. Eugene Collette was that little guy in the 30s movies, he had a really sh- close haircut, and he was bald, it was up to here, he was bald, and he, and he looked like he was a big guy, but he was little, he looked like a fire yeah, hydrant, and he wore suits that were like a size too small. And he comes downstairs. I, I, you know, he was like, I thought I told you to get my breakfast. <laughs> you know, he sounded like the bad tree from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? <laughs> What's that guy? How would you like somebody stealing apples off of you? <laughs> so, but he had that kind of like, <laughs> and then take somebody else, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Um, Percy Helton. You know, Percy Helton was this frantic little bald man that was in movies. He, I don't know if you're a fan or if you've ever seen Green Acres. Oh, yeah. But he played this ghost that was haunting the, the hayseed. 
crowd. I vaguely remember the crowd. I vaguely remember the crowd. Oh, no, 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 He was like uh, doing all these pompous floor walker types, you know, and you didn't know they were gay because you just thought one of these things is different from the other, like Paul Lynn. He rocked the television and said, I love that guy, but there was like no gay. You know what to call him. You just knew he was just something different. Yeah. And, uh, but doing impressions is great if you can get away with it for a character, but... Uh, well, for the Lando stuff, it was, it was basically because at that point in time we were covering all things that were Star Wars fans. How was it to acting? Like, it was kind of just where I learned how to do this. And uh, we were doing a bit, it was Ladies' Man and Lando. We were offering love advice. And... It, it, it went over really well, but the problem is he got homophobic way too quick. Yeah. Of course, that's what we did. We took everything It's almost away. nowhere to go when you get two guys answering questions. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, let's just do it now. Yeah, and it was... It, One, <laughs> die, die. But for me, that was just like my... That was my first time trying to like, okay, here's an idea. Let's just run with it. And it, it worked to a certain degree. It failed to a certain degree to learn something. I, I wouldn't exactly play that for many people. Damn, I learned a lot from it, and I love it that, just for that. Yeah, but it's like it doesn't matter if you if you failed at it or if you did exactly what you dreamt it would be. It's still doing it. It's still, I mean, there's no penalty box. Mm-hmm. And it's media podcasting. I mean, it's not an immediate response, but I can do whatever the hell I want to throw it out there. Nobody tells me it's right or wrong. It's the audience. That's kind of what the purity of, of art, you know, and it gets diluted by some little person that comes over, okay, you know when you were doing that thing, can you not say it like that, though, could you say it like that, and it's like, no, wait a minute, excuse me, that's called, you're trying to uh, uh, co-opt my thoughts and my imagination. That's what I hated about school when we had to critique poetry, I was like, you can't critique this stuff, this stuff was, you know, somebody's passion, their soul, and you can't sit there and, you know, claim to know what these people are thinking or what they're feeling. No. It, it's, you know, it's so bad. It's like trying to interpret somebody's dreams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, but the thing about uh, critique, the, the thing about you know somebody trying to co-opt it is even more uh, insidious. Oh, yeah. yeah, like uh, like when Wall Street, uh, not Wall Street, Madison Avenue decided to look at all the graffiti and go, can you draw that? You know, and want to get a commercial artist in, he studies it, and then it's in commercials, and, yeah. you know, study how they talk, though, them. <laughs> and co-opted something that was bubbling beneath the cracks because of real life yeah. uh, situations that force people to do certain things. You know, well, there are a lot of gangs that uh, former gang members that have consultants. Uh, exactly, they're consultants, and it oh. works. For, <laughs> it works. Well, for the Sopranos degree, must have a few consultants. And it would be fun to me. <laughs> Like, okay, we're going to put a little bit of a, of a positive spin on what we're doing here on PR, but, you know, we still want a little hot edge because we don't want think people think we're pussy, right? <laughs> it works, though. So if there's any shit fuck in this room that thinks that there's no mafia, you're wrong. <laughs> Man, take off that eye makeup, you look like a whore. <laughs> you're not going anywhere, see? <laughs> so there's fucking Sunday dinner I ever had in this house. <laughs> Thanks for cooking, Thanks for cooking. Thanks for trying to kill me, Ron. <laughs> oh, 
Tony, you were never very good at athletics. <laughs> you gotta say that shit for a while, you can get it. I'm just telling you the truth, Tony. The truth, the truth. Why don't you go have a fucking healthy heart attack? Sounds like us a dinner. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Sunday dinner with anybody. We normally, we, we, do, we always try to get as many people as we can, and then we entertain the table at dinner and stuff. Oh, like well, yeah, I mean, most that, of the you have to. And most of the restaurants. Well, that's where, we haven't been kicked out yet. Yeah, that's, but that's where most comedy came from, is guys sitting in, uh, you know, the Carnegie Gallery in Times Square. You just look at us on like a car trip down here. I mean, we were just, we were rolling. I mean, we were just in hysterics. We should have had a pen and paper to write down all this shit. No, we, we, just we, for ideas we later. should. I always write stuff down now because oh, you, it'll leave your mind. And, you'll, and if something cracks you up, the chances are it's probably get its roots in funny. Yeah, I mean, and that's you why can, I always have my notebook. And, I, I have mine in my bag. Yeah, I always. Right yeah, because I'm not always thinking I'm, I'm going to be a lightning rod. Yeah. You know. And the worst thing is, half the time I get most of my ideas when I'm about to fall asleep, so I have to... Yeah, that's that surreal world where your inner critic yeah. just sleeps before it's you. It's like off the bed before you do. Melt, melding of like your conscious and subconscious, and there's like this just perfect clarity. Like this is, I don't, I just can't put it into words. But that's where my ideas come. And it's like the next morning when I'm looking at my notes. Oh, no, that's the period where you start like talking to people who don't exist anymore oh. and stuff. Yeah, just They're just talking to you and telling you stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm trying to read my handwriting because, of course, the lights are off and I'm trying to... Oh, scribble. Yeah, I'm going to hate the scribble. That's why I'm glad I got that. I have a personal reporter because, man, I thought you just being able to fire that off. Well, one time I was on Coke. I was on Coke for many years. And um, and I put on a tape. I worked in a radio station. I put a tape recorder on. I just started to talk, you know, saying, thinking I'm going to be some kind of, you know, what's his name? Lord Buckley or something, you know, like a word fountain, <laughs> and see what happens. Oh my God! I heard four seconds of it the day or two later when it was on the tape machine going flop, flop, flop. You know, because it ran out and I'm sleeping. <laughs> I, I put it on and I go, oh, see what happens. And, I, and my, I was in horror at what I heard. Yeah. Wow. I mean, because it was, it was almost like, I don't know, like inhuman. Like, it was n- nothing that made sense. It was like reading spam that someone sends to you where the words are like, you yeah. know. So I, I weaseled him out of his cream, you know. <laughs> I creamed him out of his weasel. Yeah. <laughs> and then Barbara came in and spit in my cement in the I see you What is it? <laughs> I see you repamping. <laughs> oh, man, that's This isn't like, you know... That's your Everything's an exercise. Oh, yeah. In some I used to take one of my friend's last name and try to take the first letter of every word in the Lord's Prayer and make it the first word of that guy's name. Like, our father who I, you know, I knew this guy named uh, uh, our plot wall, who I didn't not wall, that would be like not wall. Thy kingdom cut walled, thy will be dot walled. <laughs> you know what? I see, I don't need crossword puzzles. When I'm like in my dotage, I'll just say, you know, banana fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what my problem is, I always, always end up having to do Chuck. That's my problem. Every, every time I think of that song, it's like I have to sing Chuck. Oh, of course. I mean, I would feel bad for that poor kid. I mean, he would have to be skipped. Because, you know, they can't do Chuck in the middle of class. 
Yeah, because everybody's waiting for the one time in the song where it goes banana, banana, full five. Yeah, it's like, sorry, little Chuck, we just can't do your name today. But you know what, though? That's right. It's the uh, the Bard's pronunciation. <laughs> no, it's Chaucer's. <laughs> Chaucer's. I was fooling the booth and I, I buried my, my seven gangula. Ganglia. Seven ganglia. Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew, who played Shui in Star Wars, comes walking by. Earlier, he had helped Trich make sure that the 501st documentary. Heart of an Empire would get played. It had been removed from the schedule for some unknown reason. Rich leaped into action, calling on the star to help. His hand is bigger than my head. Yeah. He probably never done that. He probably never had to ever get a man. But but you know, there's always some. Everything got straightened out. Thank you so much for getting me in contact. With us. He looks like a giant tumble. I just want to get you a picture of you. Hey, you know, there had to be someone in the suit. Yeah, I would love to get a picture of Debbie Derryberry and him together. Oh. Because, I mean, I look like Peter, Peter Mayhew next to Debbie. I have a picture of us together, and I was like, I'm like, oh, I look like Peter Mayhew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, that would just be. She's bite size. She is. She, she's so small. Yeah. Yeah. I still sucks that I didn't, wasn't able to make it out last year to Dragon Ball. I had the energy set up. I really wanted to talk. Was she? Was she? Uh, maybe, maybe no, it was two years ago. It was two years ago. You know something? She's a great musician. Yeah. yeah was it? Half of a singer. I helped her on her album. Or like yeah, there was Honey Pig, and then she went off on her own and started doing children's songs. Yeah. And she made a hit. She made a dent in the wall. Yeah, I mean, not hit, hit, like like what we consider hits. Because to me, I don't know what a hit is. There's only 16 charts now. You know, when I was growing up, there was a couple. There was the Country Western chart, and it was top 40. And then you have the British charts and the German charts. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's perfect. There's a lot of ways to get that. I mean, it's insane. It's music that no one agrees on. Awesome. Yeah, she's good. And so I, she said, can you come in and just like, you know, help me with some of this stuff in the last round of it? And I came up with a million harmonies for one of her songs. It's some silly round. Yeah, because I remember a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm older than her. At the age where the, the bank don't like it very much. Brenda Morty's the same says prostate. Davy is distracted by someone with an Azagio Jimbo costume. Usually, it only takes something shiny dangling in front of him. But then, someone who is made of awesomeness walks by. George Lowe, the voice of Space Ghost, comes up to us and begins to riff with Billy. What comes next is beautiful. For the show, and I'll be the guy who pops in to say the light stuff. Hey, you can stand up. It's the That's show. seven. Billy West has lost his balls. Help him find them, and you could win one million dollars. This fall on Fox, it's Find Billy West's Balls. Then, on an all-new Who's Got the Butter... Who's <laughs> 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 got the butter? 
know, the Ben guy, he's always like, the, the, the boy man that comes in after the announcer and goes, Ben, we're all new, then at 12, and it's kids down to me. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta eat. You wanna eat? Oh, yeah, I ate. I'm going to my Shall I bring you in? No, no. <laughs> George, I'm so glad to see you. I missed you in LA. I missed you in LA. That so sucked. E3 was awesome, though. Remind me to tell you. Please. It was insane. Oh, good. They had where I could talk into a mic and space goes but animate and go and sing. Oh, I know those people. They're the great. The They've got the moves kind of already mapped yes. out and yes. you trigger them. And the guy who was playing the keyboards Art. made me move. They yes. were yes. It was Yoda and Java. It was like the eighteen of nerds. <laughs> That's the, so the show business time space continuum. He's a character. Oh, I, I, character I love. He's a he's a star. I've done a few times with him, and I walk in on stuff he's doing, and I just get heckled. I absolutely love it. Hello. I know what you're thinking. After a day of hard plundering, you may think about taking a few of your crew, bringing them below, and making them swab your deck. You know, keel hauling them. Don't. That's what the winches are for. That's why they have the girly parts. Roto, less structure, less restrictions, more comedy, more absurdity, more often. Requiem off the outcast.com. <laughs>